Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. What's up, y'all? It's Will coming back for a Field Note Friday's episode powered by Federal Premium. On today's episode, we're going to be talking aero building. It's tinkering time. Everybody's getting their aero setups dialed in. You're trying to figure out things. You're figuring out vein configurations, aero weight. You might be scratching the slate clean and going with something new. And so nonetheless, we're going to get Mr. Logan White, who's the owner of the Archery Den out of Tennessee, as well as having many other irons in the fire, which we're going to talk about with him. But nonetheless, we're going to get him on here to talk about FOC, arrow weight, arrow spine, vein configuration, arrow wraps, broadheads, a couple other things. But we're going to bring this to y'all, so hopefully y'all can help make your own decision on what your arrow setup is going to be like this fall because it's that time of year we're just getting into it, getting ready for the fall. So we got Logan on here to talk about that. We want to thank all y'all for your support of the HuntStand podcast. We appreciate it greatly, and we hope you enjoy this episode of Field Note Fridays. All right, man, let's get this thing rolling. Logan, appreciate you hopping on the podcast with me today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, man. Oh, of Looking course. forward to it. Of course, man. I mean... After you and I met at the the hunt down here in Texas during turkey season, I knew I had to get you on here to talk archery. That was a fun hunt. That was a good time. That was a good camp, good people. But, yeah, we share a lot of the same uh, same passions, man. It's definitely going to be for a good conversation. Oh, heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Speaking of, when's the, do you know when the videos are going to be coming out for that turkey hunt? They should be in the next couple of weeks should be the first one to drop. They had a little late of a start on Turkey Call, so they'll finish that series and then we'll roll. Cool. So one of the first things I like to do is for the guest to give the listeners kind of that 30-foot tree stand view of who you are. So kind of tell me who you are, where you're from, and how you've gotten to where you are now. Yeah, so I'm Logan White. I live here in Middle Tennessee, just south of Nashville. Um got a wife, two kids, love my family. 
they're number one. And then we have uh, – we own the Archery Den in Franklin, Tennessee. And that ar- – the Archery Den has put me where I'm at today in the hunting industry with relationships just on, you know, the people I meet there. We all share the same passion. And so the Archery Den has definitely put me – farther in the hunting industry than I, than, than I was before that. And I, it's been an awesome ride. Now you do some other stuff on the side, correct? Mm-hmm. Tell me yeah. you're a firefighter and you do a couple other things as well, man. Tell us about that. I'm a fireman here in Spring Hill, a uh, full-time paid career fire department, <clears throat> ride a heavy rescue truck. And then I own a media company, which is uh, what we were doing down in Texas. I was uh, filming and helping uh, my producer do some stuff for uh, Gobblers and Guitars for NWTF. And then um, I do a, a, I own a landscaping business, but we do a medical security company here in town for executives and, and different type of people like that. So that's, that's a fun, that's a fun gig. Dude, where do you find the time? Man, my wife is awesome. <laughs> my <laughs> wife is she uh she's definitely the rock of the household and she understands we got I'm gonna work hard now, so hopefully we can kick back and glide in a few years, you know. Man, that's gotta be it's gotta be pretty dang cool. I mean, not a lot of guys are lucky to have an awesome wife like yours, man. So like kudos to her, kudos to you. It sounds uh, like you're getting things figured out, but she she definitely puts up with a lot a lot of uh, travel and on the road um, with the filming and then just and just my passion my hunt passion man I I hunt every fall out west um, so it's she definitely lets me get away with a lot that I probably shouldn't <laughs> man for, I know a bunch of the guys out there probably wondering like man she got some sisters <laughs> <laughs> only one only I got one. the only one there you yeah. go man man that's that's awesome dude well. So one of the things I want to focus on, it's a time of year where a lot of guys are starting to fine-tune their arrow setups, they're fine-tuning their bows, they're they're picking that broadhead for the season. And so I want to break down part one of this three-part series of archery hunting, or I don't even know what I'm going to call the series yet, but I want to break down FOC. <laughs> what is FOC and why is it so dang important? Well, so that's... The second question, that's a trick question. The first part is simply front of center. Yep. So where is your weight in that arrow? And that's going to determine how the arrow drives. Mm-hmm. Um, so like my, I set all of my stuff up for elk and then I whitetail hunt after elk season. And I, I don't change anything. If I can kill an elk with it, I can kill a whitetail with it. Um, my FOC on my elk arrow is right at 16%. The second part of your question, is it really that important <laughs> or have we made it that important? Like True. Levi Morgan, he said in an interview, they asked him about FOC and his answer was, what's FOC? So it's one of those things like some people swear by it, some people could care less about it. So when you talk about that percentage, what mm-hmm. are you talking 16% in front of the center? Or are you talking yes. 16% away from the end of your arrow? Like, what are you talking? 16% in the front of the center of the arrow. Okay. But if you get that, so 
if you're going to shoot a heavier arrow and that weight is up between 14 to 17%, you may have to put a little bit of weight in the back to make that arrow fly straight and not tip down. Mm -hmm. So it's diving into arrows. You can go down rabbit holes in every direction. Yeah. And you can chase all kinds of things. So, I stick with my build, the way I build arrows, what shoots well for me at my poundage, my draw length, and that's how I build my arrows. Okay. So why do you think FOC has gotten to become so popular? The internet. The internet and blogs and podcasts and uh there are people that swear by it and those people are very knowledgeable. They've spent a lot of time in the industry. They've shot thousands and thousands of arrows and they've, they've played with it. Um, you know, I definitely feel like I definitely feel like it serves a purpose. If I, if I have my FOC or the front of my arrow correctly weighted and, and all that, my arrow is going to drive with the front of the arrow. Right. So I'm going to get more penetration in that animal. And when you're hunting bigger and when you're hunting elk, caribou, grizz, stuff like that, I need the front of the arrow driving the arrow. Yeah. I need that penetration. Okay. So the whole, I don't necessarily know if you'd call it theory, hypothesis, whatever you want to behind it, but the whole thing behind it is FOC gives you better penetration. I think so. Yes. But. How I mean, obviously that's important when you're trying to kill anything. But let, let's obviously big game, uh, bigger animals. You know, you want that. But mm-hmm. I feel like the other part of it is, does that affect your speed at all? Because there's lots of guys that want a fast arrow. We all know white tail can duck an arrow at 40, 50 yards. Sure. Talk to us about that. So, <clears throat> I, me personally, and. <laughs> I've been told I'm crazy. I've been told that people agree with me. I don't get caught up in speed as much as others. Now, with my setup, I could easily be shooting 310, 320. Mm-hmm. I'm shooting I'm shooting a 75-pound bow. As long as I can keep my speed above 270, I'm happy. Yeah. I don't want it, you know, like it's 1990, 210, 215. <laughs> But I don't get caught up in speed like some guys. I've got customers, man, and they're they're phenomenal archers. I mean, they kill big deer. They're great hunters, and they care about speed. They want the fastest arrow. They want to be shooting 320, as fast as that bow can shoot. Mm-hmm. But they're shooting, you know, a toothpick through there where I'm shooting something a little bit bigger, a little heavier, and I want when it when it hits the animal, I want it to thump that animal. Okay. Okay. Let's dive into arrow weight. So then it all kind of circles back to arrow weight. So you're looking at penetration, you're looking at FOC, you're looking at speed. Um and talk to me about weight because I feel like there's guys out there that uh like I'll call out one for example, Ranch Ferry. He likes to shoot Lincoln logs sounds like yep. like 600 grand arrows like right why are guys going that route penetration bigger animal um and 
the internet, Grizzly Stick, all those companies that have come out with that science. And there's definitely proof behind that on, mm-hmm. on a big animal. I don't disagree with that. I don't throw it to the side and say it's crazy. But I shoot a five, my my arrow weight right now is five twelve. Yeah. I think me personally, I feel like with a five hundred and twelve grain arrow, I'm shooting seventy five pounds and my bow is shooting that at two ninety one. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can kill any animal in North America. I don't feel I, I don't feel like there's anything too big for that arrow to handle. Now, if I were to go to go to Africa and try to kill a cape or something, I feel like I would need to be closer to that six fifty seven hundred range. Yeah. Now, let's talk about spine because that that also kind of falls into this as well. You know, you're looking, mm-hmm. you're talking about like 500 spines, 400 spines, 340s, 350s, 360s, 300s, 260s, 250s. Right. For the average guy that's out there, most, I feel like the average guy is in that typical 28, 29 inch draw length. Most of them are going to be pulling 70 pounds. Mm-hmm. What's kind of that bread and butter arrow combo from a spine combination? Like, tell me. The average person, 70 pound, 70 pound draw, the national average draw length 28 and a half to 29, just like you said. That spine needs to be 300 to 350. You don't want anything heavier than that, which would be a lower number. And you don't want anything less than that because the spine's not strong enough to handle it. Okay. So 300 to 350 is the sweet spot for the average whitetail hunter day in and day out what about elk what about if they want to shoot like a 250 260 spine i shoot a 250 spine shooting 75 pounds but the very first year i ever elk hunted i shot a 70 i shot a 70 pound bow and i shot a 300 spine 340 spine arrow i had my weight like at 480 ish Mm mm-hmm and I was completely fine with that. Okay, I, I I was getting plenty of penetration. I was happy with with the setup, the speed, and everything. And then jumping into elk hunting after I went on my first one, I got addicted to it. So I started studying real hard, and that's why I wanted to push my weight to five fifteen ish to five twenty. Up my bow weight. That's how that all came to me. Okay, so I mean, is there such a thing as going too stiff? With your spine? I think so. Yeah, I don't think your arrow will fly as good. Does it just act all wonky? Because, I mean, like, I've seen it where you go too stiff. Um, I've actually seen arrows correct themselves and shoot really good out of paper. But then mm-hmm. I've also seen, you know, the danger you run into is if you are shooting too weak of a spine is putting carbon into your arm, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think the, I think going too weak is is definitely more danger, dangerous and more detrimental than going too stiff because mm-hmm. um, obviously it can't handle the pressure that bow's under if it's too weak. Yeah. Uh, but two, you know, a lot of people will paper tune at 10 yards inside and that arrow's going to be flying good right there. But if it's too weak or too stiff and you back up to 30 yards and get outside and paper tune, Downrange, it might start 
it might start wobbling and getting wonky on you pretty bad. Okay. Okay. So, you know, we've talked FOC, we've talked airway, we've talked spine. Let's talk vein configurations on these arrows. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of guys that believe in running wraps and a three vein or four vein uh, configuration, or you've got guys that they hate wraps and they're running three or four, they're running helicals and, Talk to us about what you've seen. Owning your shop is kind of the a really good all around successful setup to direct people towards. So that all goes back to to building that arrow and what you're looking for. Yeah. The only reason you'll see me put a wrap on an arrow is if I need weight in the rear end. If I don't need weight in the rear end to to make that arrow fly the way I want it to fly, I won't run a wrap. I've ran four, four veins before. I didn't like it. Mm-hmm. I'm a three vein guy, which whatever vein you choose, tack, you know, blazer, whatever. Um, I I like a three blade. I mean, a three vein, and I do like a helical. Now, I'm a right handed, so we always put a, oh man, a left helical on that arrow. Some people test that arrow. They'll mark it, they'll shoot it, they'll figure out which way it's spinning off that bow, and they'll helical that the opposite way of the spin, and that will drive. Yeah, it's the opposite way, and that will help that arrow f- correct and fly straight quicker off the bow. Uh. Um, so there's reasons behind it, but I really like I really like a three-vein setup. That's just me. Okay. I like it. It's been well for me. I didn't. I didn't care for the four vein very much. Okay, I gotcha. Well, man, I I like all this. I, I like the talk on the FOC and all that we've talked into. And so, for part two, I want to dive into broadheads, the thing that ultimately is slicing through that animal, killing that animal. You know, this right. is a time of year that a lot of guys are testing stuff out. Buddies are going back and forth, or they're. they're digging into forums, looking at reviews. And so hot topic, mechanical versus fixed blade. Give me the pros and cons of each. So fixed blade broadhead, I hunt with that on anything bigger than a mule deer. Okay. Um, It's going to be stronger. If you get a bone, if you, if you clip a rib, clip the back end of the shoulder, that broadhead is going to withstand that a lot more. The problem with a, a mechanic or a fixed blade broadhead is you'll spend, you know, all year shooting field tips, getting it dialed in. Nine times out of ten, it that fixed blade is going to fly totally different than that field tip. You're going to be starting over, retuning, resighting in the bow, and all that. But it's worth it if I'm going on on any like I said, anything mule deer and bigger. I like to shoot a fixed blade. Broadhead. Yeah. Um, mechanical, I really like a mechanical of, let me rephrase that. I really like a couple of mechanical broadheads that knock on wood. They haven't opened in flight, not open or any of the disaster stories you hear of for me yet in my hunting career. A mechanical is going to fly a lot like your field tip. So you're going to have a whole lot less after the you know after you spin off so you're not gonna have to adjust it as much as you will 
a fixed blade broadhead. Yeah. The problem is when they open, the blades are a lot thinner. They're a lot smaller, so they're not going to do as much to bone as a as a fixed blade broadhead will. So, in turn, you're not going to get as much penetration if you clip a big bone gotcha. where you would with a fixed blade broadhead. Okay. Okay. So. What's your recommendation then on a couple of brands out there for each of these mechanical and fix wise mechanical and people thought they thought and at the shop that I was crazy. I love the true glow four blade broadhead really? on a mechanical broadhead. I love it. And everybody's like true go kind of has that rep of, um, you know, a little bit cheaper merchandise, kind of Walmart brand. I'm telling you, that broadhead has done phenomenal for me. On big can, I deer hunt Kansas um, every year, I, and it has done phenomenal. It hasn't. It's never opened. It's never failed. I mean, it's never opened in flight. It hits the animal. It opens. They're extremely sharp out of the package, and they fly extremely well. Um, I like those. <clears throat> And another one that we sell a lot of is the uh, Levi Morgan Swacker. It's ah. a huge, it's a huge cut diameter. It's a big blade, flies great, um, and it open. It's it's rubber banded, where that True Glow is not. It's it kind of locks into place on its own. Um, but then fixed blade, I'm an iron wheel guy, man. Mm-hmm. I, I like the two blade S series iron wheel with the bleeders on the back. I think they make, you know, I think they make arguably one of the best broadheads, fixed blade broadheads on the market. Absolutely. Um, and then second for me on a fixed blade broadhead would be um, uh, G5 Montec. A Montec, they have the carbon carbon steel. It's strong. I've seen it go through some bone, and it, they're sharp. Um, they fly pretty well. I really like those, too. I love it, man. Love it, dude. Man, this is all really good advice just on helping people kind of figure some of this stuff out for the rest of the summer going into the fall. So what kind of – what do you tell as parting advice before we end today's episode? What's kind of some parting advice that you give to – you know, your customer that comes in that's that's looking to tinker and find that next best arrow. Man, the, the one thing I always tell people in today's world, especially today's world with the internet and with the blogs and YouTube and everything you can get on to um, learn, I say find one guy or two guys that, have the uh, the the success behind their name and follow them and stay true to those guys. Like take their advice, stick to one or two people like that. And then that way you're not chasing a thousand different people's advice. And this guy's going to say this and this, and then you're just going to end up confused or you're going to be doing 10 different things instead of just like one person. Yeah. Uh, so that's one thing I, I strongly 
uh, is one of my strong opinions on the on the archery industry is just find the one and follow. That's that's who we need to stick with. And like for elk hunting, mine's Dan Stanton. I mean, yeah. I think he's I, I think he's got the numbers behind his name. Um, one thing I like about Dan, he's he's blunt to the point. Like it's not all show for him. It's it's work and he's proved himself in the mountains year in and year out. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to like, if I'm going to give advice in the shop, I'm going to, Hey, you hunt deer, you hunt elk. I'm going to get that information and then get a good arrow. Like there's places to save money when you build in a bow or building a setup. Yeah. An arrow in my opinion, is not one of them. No. Don't don't try to buy, you know, a five, six dollar arrow when you just bought a nine hundred dollar bow. Like yeah. let's let's cut money out of quivers or, you know, maybe even a stabilizer, but not the arrow. The arrow's pretty important. Oh, a thousand percent, man. I mean, that's what's that's what's gonna be putting the meat on the table for you. Right. So, so. Well, I love it, man. Well, dude, I really appreciate you hopping on the podcast and, and talking arrow setups with me today. I really do appreciate the time. Man, I love it, dude. All right, there you go, everybody. We got Logan on to talk about all that arrow building goodness, golden nuggets. Hopefully, you're going to be able to take some of that and apply it to your arrow build and figure something out this fall so you've just got your bow and arrow set up doped dialed in and ready to kill so again y'all we just want to thank y'all for your support of the hunt stand podcast we appreciate it and we will see you next week Thank you.